Welcome to Speak Sex. I am your host, Evie Eurydice. Um, I am a Greek artist and writer from the island of Lesbos, uh, which uh, little detail has made me extremely aware of speaking sex since pretty much I understood that being a lesbian has that double meaning and that all around the world, everybody else thought of me not as a lesbian from Lesbos, where my mom, my grandma, all of us lesbians come from, but, um, but a lesbian meaning my sexual orientation. And that's a pretty extraordinary you know, destiny to have as a writer hmm. and as a writer about sex, you know, um, I think it was extremely formative. So uh, today's guest is Belaxis Bui. Um, she is a fellow sister artist, and uh, I'm gonna say which <laughs> <laughs> here in Miami. <laughs> she has um, she has she got her degree in art uh, practice at uh, UF, and now she's getting an MFA in curatorial practice at FIU. And she has been developing extensive artistic projects with scholars, ambassadors, diplomats, initiating art as a platform for critical social debate on issues uh, of social justice awareness in the South Florida community, on public radio, in gallery spaces, and in spaces, uh, art activating spaces around the world. She has worked with issues of immigration and forced displacement at refugee camps, including um, Western Sahara area, where um, she worked uh, on the 40-year exile of the Sahawari people who have been claiming independence from Morocco. And of course, it's a difficult struggle because Morocco is a royal dictatorship. And we should all remember that the importance of like decolonizing when we go uh, vacation in Marrakesh which seems to be like the hardest place to go right now. So human rights, you know, we must always be aware of human rights issues, advocacy, women and gender advocacy, identity, politics and advocacy, and the crisis of human conditioning. So uh, as much as we enjoy um, exoticized, you know, other locales, we, you know, must try to look into more closely what happens on the ground and how we might weave our own vacation time with our self-education on like um, the issues of the challenging issues in those environments that w where people live and try to find voice and freedom. And one of the voices that I'm advocating is the voice of sexual freedom so, speaking sex, Belaxis has come to speak sex with me today. <laughs> Welcome on the show. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we have been speaking a little, the two of us, in advance, and I think that we um, share the same understanding of view of this, but I was telling Belaxis that um, my impetus, my inspiration, my calling was the advent of the Me Too movement, which I felt was consciousness changing for at least all the women, you know, who are open to it in the West, um, and many men, you know, more and more woke men. Um, so I thought, let's kind of like grab the bull by the horns while, while we got this um, acceptance that we get to give consent to sexual exchange, you know, intercourse, as it used to be called. Uh, exactly. We like to call it 
you know, sacred energy exchange these days, sex. Um, and um, once we say yes to the practice through consent, we can then continue to speak sex with each other and agree what we want to do, why we want to do it, how long we want to do it, you know, speak it. To me, it's like shocking that it's much easier to, to this date, it's much easier to have sex than speak it. Right. Well, yeah, it's it is to, like give our body away quietly than actually like face the uh, the lover, the potential love interest, and call them on what we want to do. Right. Well, I think that it's because sex doesn't really have meaning anymore. Mm. So how do we discuss that? Mm. Do we discuss that as the patriarch saying that it's a woman's fault for giving it away right. so easily because she was wearing a skirt that seduced me and I felt tempted and she gave in. And so that's why it's meaningless. So I think that what's going to happen is for us to give it back meaning, mm. we're going to have to be like the famous Listrata in Greek mythology. Yes, Listrata. <laughs> <laughs> Say no for a while. Yes, say no. figure out how to ask for it better. Absolutely, absolutely. I have to say that I've abstained from having any type of sex or Good sexual. For yeah, for like the last, I would say like three years or four. That's I'm, great. I was dating someone for a while and mm -hmm. I ended that relationship because he was constantly comparing me to women and he had these really interesting like... Wait, wait, comparing you to women like you are a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Why are we comparing you? Like I, I guess comparing me to like his higher idolized fantasies like wow. like these like celebrities and mm. celebutants i don't so know comparing your body comparing me to them so i don't know if I, I was like invoking that and he was thinking of these things while we were dating and i like you know or if that's just something that he had like a frustration where he really wants to like be with kim kardashian or like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Kardashian. not the real ones, you know, the idea of them, you know, because he wants the fame to rub off on him. So he will be I like guess. golden by their celebrity. I guess. But that's another thing, too. So like with men, you know, whether they're I, I'm going to speak specifically about heterosexual men right now. Yeah, that's what we talk about know? mostly on the yeah. show. Unless someone identifies differently, it's heterodominant. Right. Right. So these heterosexual men have a tendency of like having meaningless sex because I mean of course we're at fault because we seduced them or then they have <laughs> yeah. or then they have like the sex with the woman who they're obviously not satisfied because they have to make comparison notes about oh Lana Del Rey or oh Kourtney Kardashian or oh I really wish I could be with this person and you're just like um where's your dick you know, is it inside of me or is it in La La Land? Like, what do you want? And it's because I think that that person doesn't know what they want sexually. Right. And they don't understand how to be in the present moment. So you're always, which is kind of like what celebrity culture does. You know, it's how people, it's how corporations like sell products. It's not being in the present moment. There is something else that you want. No matter what you're doing, there is always something else that you want that you don't have, you know? Yeah. So you're like stuck in permanent... Uh, Unsatisfaction. Uh, 
exactly delayed gratification i was going to say it's the same thing yeah it's like you cannot be satisfied by all that you have because you're always craving and longing what they tell you you should have which is even better but you know they spend like millions of, do of dollars packaging that to exactly. appear this way so you'll you know you'll uh want what they're selling you mm -hmm. whatever it is this the way of eating the way of dressing the makeup line you know whatever it is that they're selling everything. you mm. everything mm. so therefore we are an object yeah, we are it's an all object transactional i mean that's what happens when you say you know that sex has become meaningless it's also that it's become transactional because it's mm -hmm. something that's used to sell products so the female body is used to sell you know, products for the corporations to make profit. Right. Uh, desirability is used, you know, for them to make profit off of our unhappiness, off of our, you know, kind of like search for exactly. meaning. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the other day I was on Instagram and I noticed like, you know, there's like these behaviors that men denote in social media. It's like stalkerish type of behavior, you know, right, like right, when right. they find you cute or they think that you're sexy and they're constantly like liking your picture and you're just like, okay, what's coming next? <laughs> so exactly, the other exactly. day I received a private direct message from this person, this man, mm -hmm. and he's like interested in having sex mm -hmm. on, on Instagram. On Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, completely like no, no introduction needed. Hi, this is like what I look like. You want to hook up? Yeah. Yeah. It's very beastly. Mm -hmm. It's like a very beastly thing to do. Like men, they go out and they hunt and that's what they're doing. So I was looking at this message and I was like, okay, does old Biloxis want to tell him, fuck you, <laughs> suck my dick? <laughs> my dick, that's what we should be saying. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know? Or should I be like, or should I say, excuse me? Like, should I be like the modest woman that you want me to be? Because that's how I'm supposed to behave and tell you, excuse me, why are you talking to me like that? So I just blocked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I do too. I block. Yeah. I immediately block uh, if they're not already blocked. You know, like most of the time it asks you if you want to allow them. And it's like, of course, you don't want to allow them access to your DMs or you have to block them. But, but still... You know, this is like one of the things that social media has done. It has given us this this kind of there's a kind of like a lack of 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 manners. Like we used to have some modicum of social manners. Yes. So yes, if you walked through a certain part of town, there would be a lot of catcalling. But now people feel completely men men feel entitled to do the same catcalling mm -hmm. like in mass mm -hmm. to anyone they want on social media twitter Absolutely. you know instagram it's just you know messaging or messenger uh, whatever it is you know whatsapp um and it's almost as if you know by by allowing yourself a social media presence you um have in, you know, indirectly given permission mm -hmm. for this like loss of uh, space, yeah. private space. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Yeah. I, Go ahead. I was thinking for a moment, I almost took a picture of it. I mean, I still could do this. Take a picture of his message and just put it on social media. Like, yeah, I can upload it. Yeah, you can it. do that. Yeah. You, you can know? do it on Twitter. I haven't yeah. touched it, but yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to do a log, like a public log of all mm -hmm. these men that send messages because mm -hmm. they want meaningless sex. Yeah. Because we Only give it sex. away so yeah. easily, you know? Yeah. And just see how they'll respond to right. that. I'm sure I'll, I'll get like a, a respond or reaction that like I'm crazy or hysterical or something's wrong with me because mm. that's what it always comes down to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
But the idea of sex isn't just like two people having intercourse or fooling around. It's like something much more than that. Right. It's much more spiritual. It's an exchange of energy. Like you don't, it's not, you know, that's the thing. Like it's not just the physical vagina hole. It's you that goes with it, you know, and either we compartmentalize and we cut ourselves, we separate ourselves from our body, which is the dichotomy that we were raised, you know, the body and the soul, you're right, the split, or we unite with our body and then we're much more discriminating as to who we allow in it right? because he gets access to all of us. Okay, but this right? is, so this is the challenge too, right? So... We're both visual artists. We both obviously look at female form. Yeah, all the time. Since <laughs> the beginning, right? Yeah. So since the beginning of my career, mm. I was a subject that became an object. Right, I always exactly. objectify myself. And that right. was exactly the point. I was working with space as a sculptor, right. using my body, right. um, time and place, and the objectification of a woman. Right, of the female form. Yeah. 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 And the womb and the mother. So right. the when does the sexual end and the maternal begin? That's right. always a very interesting, fine Very fine point. But even mm. in the art world, doing that for me was such a nerve-wracking process because my work at the beginning was like, I heard a couple of people say this, well, that's not art. Like, how am I supposed to show that? And I'm like, wow, you're still thinking about that when we thought that we were over that like years ago. Oh my God, Gorilla you Girls. Know. I mean, that's like so long ago, the 90s. Right. Well, but look at Anna Mendieta. So mm -hmm. Anna Mendieta did a piece where she recreated a rape scene. Yeah. And that, like, I just got goosebumps saying that, you know? And so that was like a teeter-totter, like, well, is it art? Like, it's, it's social justice. What is it? What is she doing? And so to this day, we still have that problem. And oh I, yeah, we have that we problem. We have that problem. Yeah. And in my artwork, I became nervous. Like, believe it or not, as strong character and strong personality and outspoken as I am, I started to feel like I was being silenced, shut down, not being invited to participate in exhibitions because my work was too provocative or it's not a moment to make a statement. And I'm like, I'm not trying to make a statement. Like, this is what I do. So I started to see a lot of barriers yeah. being placed. Like I was getting yeah. pushback. Yeah. You know, no, there are bar barriers to the sexual woman. If you're conceptual, if you're using your body, but it's all conceptual and there is like zero sexual undertone or whatever, some exposure, right? And it's all, it's objectified, but conceptually, that's mm -hmm. cool. No problem. If you're self abusive in like uh, Abramovich type, you know, where you take the body, you expose it, but you like cut it up and it bleeds in your face and it's, you know, it's damaged, wounded. That's okay. Exactly. That's okay. Yeah. Because it was damaged. But if it's, yeah, but if it's like a celebration of your sexual power, that's not good. That's not good because the only way that the majority understands it is as pornography. Mm -hmm. Even though it's the furthest thing from porn. Right, right. Well, it's also really dangerous when you use your body, but in a very political way. Right. So it's not only about <laughs> celebrating, it's right. about politics now. Yeah. And that is terrifying to like the mass majority. But believe it or not, it's more terrifying within the art world than outside. Because when I've actually presented works and done things in a museum or in a space where people that are not really as know as like immersed or educated in art as we are and they'd see my work their response was like 
crying, telling me mm. how much they were moved right. by it, that they had See? never yeah. seen anything yeah. like it before, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. oh my goodness, this is amazing. And so you're like, well, why do you not want us to speak yeah. this language or this concept in spaces where we're supposed to, because now we're reaching the public and that's who we're supposed to work with yeah. because we need them and they need us. And it's like an exchange of ideas and voices and feelings and connections. Right, exactly. So, so you want me to be disconnected yeah. to my public? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I had that experience very much with fabric work and it's embroidery. Because while I was doing painting, charcoal, you know, murals, whatever, yes, you know, that was like fine art. With embroidery, actually, a lot more of the general public was moved you know people off the street would come in and talk about their experiences with stitching and oh what stitch is this and where did you learn it and i remember when i was right so a lot of like um audience that would not normally go to see art exhibits and they had the same emotional response to it but it was much more um judged you know it, it was judged totally conceptually from yeah. the art world right so no one discussed that aspect of it you mm -hmm. know like the the power of the stitch mm -mm. nothing so yeah there is definitely um an elitism that we can't escape and i think that that elitism in is also true in you know the sexual in sexual uh discussion yeah so like everyone can have uh, feels okay discussing foucault whom I mentioned, right? right? right. Or Sisu, or, you know, f uh, sexual theory. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to sexual practice, it's all just like silence. Yeah. Because academia doesn't know how to handle that. Right. So there is the porn, which we all know is not real. Um, it's just acting, bad right. acting. Really bad acting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to do with the real Dominated body. by men producing right. that. Right, who have no clue what females like or look like even right because right. everybody there looks the same right there is the porn and then there is the silence mm -hmm. then speakable mm -hmm. then right touchable exactly mm. and how do we deal with that right how do we what do we do when we're silenced what do we do well i think back about when i was a teenager and i i always had a really great looking body I always had a great looking body. I always got attention from men. And guess what? I was always really squirmish and it made me feel really uncomfortable. And I got in trouble one time in school because I remember the teacher rubbed up against me and I went bah! and I hit him wow, back and wow. I got in trouble Good for, for you. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So at a young age, being around so many perverse, perverted, like perverse, like men mm -hmm. and like individuals, mm -hmm. you know? I kind of like withdrew. Yeah. And how did I withdrew like withdraw? I like became super skinny and anorexic and mind you I've never spoken about this in public. So like this is the first time I'm actually like Well, well I'm honored. Thank like, you. Releasing this. You're welcome. So I was anorexic. Like I lost weight from one moment to like a few weeks later. And I'd hide my sexuality behind big baggy clothes. Like I was always super stylish always ahead of my time my best friend was a professional model ready like running the uh, walking the runways for isi miyaki and she'd tell me like why don't you model why don't you model I'm like my dad will never let me do that so i started to like hide i became an, into another form of object yeah. i became into yeah. like this non-sexualized object which funny enough i heard billy ellish mm. that young singer yeah, yeah, yeah. she Love said billy. yeah she said something similar i'm like oh my god i used to 
feel the same exact way as a kid. Mm-hmm. And so I hid. I hid my sexuality. I, I hid my female identity. Like, I made sure to resist men. And I made sure that they were, like, from here to, like, 50 feet away from me. Mm-hmm. Like, just with their sexual energy. Right. But that's be- that's because they were, you know, you were too young and kind of like the the sexualization of their gaze was extremely uncomfortable and invasive you know so you didn't know anything other than to camouflage yourself to avoid that gaze yeah it was horrible it was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. i knew i was attracted to them but then at the same time too i also realized that that reservation about myself was so precious like my vagina was gold mm-hmm. like i did not want to get poked Mm-hmm. in the vagina mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, then yeah, be yeah, yeah, left yeah. on the side like I was yeah. some piece of trash right. so that they can go off and like talk about oh did you see that slut she's a fucking slut right because exactly. I used to hang out with the boys and I know what the boys mm. talk about so I was super hyper aware of everything I knew it so I was constantly protecting myself like I was like I don't like to use the word defensive but it's the only word that I can pitch that will allow people to understand like how resistant and how careful I was with people, you know? And so, I mean, I didn't lose my virginity until I was like 20, almost 21. Like that's how long I waited. But did people know? Or did people think that like you were highly sexualized while you were a virgin? Oh my, no. I think people always thought that I was super highly sexualized because I've always been very kind of queer because of my fashion, <laughs> right, right, right. you know, like I've always done gender bending, always, like had fun, I was gothic kid that went to raves and I hung out with the drag queens and like my best friend was a model and I was like super uncultured people and I was like wild, but I was wild in other ways, I wasn't wild sexually, so people thought, exactly, that's what they think, you know, yeah. people judge completely by the outside and the they behaviors. don't look by the behaviors, yeah, 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 you know, and meanwhile, like there are there are lots of women who are perhaps, uh, you know, more religious identifying or, or whatever the reason is, you know, who are much more sexualized, but they hide it. Mm-hmm. And we all right. know that, but it doesn't matter that we know it. We don't go by it. You know, yeah. like if we stop, we know that. Right. But we don't. We like just, just judge so superficially. Yeah. And in the process, you know, you damage a lot of psyches. Did you have any... Um, well, go, go ahead. I mean, uh, you were telling me a story, but I will go back and ask you if you had any experiences in at that time that you remember during the Me Too ch- movement that have informed your uh, celibacy. You know, I the chosen celibacy. Let's just let's just say that I was around it. Mm. I saw things. I saw things, and I spoke up. And when I spoke up, it was a problem. Um, I'm not saying that it happened to me, like when it happened to me, like whatever happened to me was more about like the guys at school trying to be fresh, slapping my ass and me stepping on their foot, telling me, don't touch me. Mm. Cause I've always been like that, you know, but what informed me to be that way is what I saw in my immediate surroundings. It was scary. And I called it out. And because I called it out, I was crazy. I made it up. Esta loca. Like, and I had to live with that. Like mm-hmm. you, it's so tormenting to live like that mm-hmm. where you are constantly questioning everything that you do, that you say, because you're like, am I crazy? And you're like, I'm not crazy. 
you're trying to fuck with me is right. what it is. Yeah, you the know? culture is like a huge mindfuck when it comes to women, especially young women and, you know, newly sexualized women. It's just like one continuous mindfuck. You know, you don't know because the only way the culture does anything is from the male point of view. That's uh, why we absolutely. have patriarchy. You know, patriarchy created the language, the meaning of the words, the laws, you know, everything, the system as we know it, it's there to serve its interests, which serve the, you know, the male majority interests. Exactly. So we don't even have a way of saying or, or the words to begin to express, especially when we're young, you know, that there is no place for us, that we don't know, it, it, we can't figure out anything that, that we fit into. So we have to kind of like go by cliches, you know, mm -hmm. and embrace one cliche or another um, and, and adjust our identity to it, right? Because there is nothing else, there is no alternative and you gotta fit in or you lose your mind, like you say. Right, I, I know, but that's the thing, when you're really rebellious because you refuse to fit in, you know, it's not like you're being rebellious because you want to be like the popular one and just go against the grain without a reason. No, you were a rebel with a cause. And right. the cause was and is that if things are just not like what you value or it goes against your principle or you think it's indecent because it really isn't decent that that guy is doing whatever he's gazing at me or he's a rapist or whatever the... We are allowed to speak up and say that. Yeah. And I don't need to fit in and yeah. have sex right. or be liked by some guy because I already know at the end of the day exactly what he wants, how he's going to do it. Like, he's predictable. Hmm. And I'm not going to be another number on his list. No. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. So that was my reality growing up. Like, mm -hmm. it was that. And then, like... So you lost your virginity at 21 mm -hmm. to, like, a nice guy, I hope? Yeah, he was nice. Like, okay. I know that, you know, he was nice. I feel that the universe, like, God, the universe, placed that person. Like, I've always had these individuals in my life, like, angels. Like, mm. I, the only way that I can describe yeah. it. Yeah, okay, Like, they good. always come in, you know, mm -hmm. at the right moment. And he was in love with me. He cared about me. And I loved him. Mm -hmm. But I was also young, mm -hmm. you know, like... I just had left my family when I was 16, you know, because of what was going on there. It was really extreme. It was too much. I was super anorexic. I was like, you all are crazy. I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. So I leave. I left. So your mom was very repressed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Very. And that was another reason why I wanted to leave because I was like, you're not taking charge. I got to go. Yeah. Because I saw mom was terrified of dad. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that was like that whole old world mentality yeah, yeah, too, yeah. where yeah, like yeah. you don't talk back and you don't do this and you don't say yeah. that. And you're like, yeah. says who? Yeah, and the only way to like obey the rules is to become her, right? Or you move on. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So it was like the most liberating thing, and then all of a sudden, like I was like buck wild, you know, like experimenting. <laughs> 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 I like buck wild. <laughs> I see like a wild pony. <laughs> <laughs> I was wild. I was wild in a new way because now I had all this freedom and all this space that I needed to catch up on because from the age of like 18 and before, it was so restricted. Mm -hmm. It was like super scholarly, intellectual, and macho. Yeah, that was our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, it was 
very controlled. Mm-hmm. And so it reminds me of the book Virgin Suicides. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, that yeah, book. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, exactly. That was kind of like us. Wow. You know, and so. So they the were religious? <laughs> they were also religious? Your parents? Yes. yes. It was yeah. like, oh yeah. my God, it was so crazy. Like, we were not even allowed to wear certain clothes because right. it was not modest. Yeah. You know, it was mm-hmm. not modest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, get me out of this place. Like, no this wonder you like expose your body as part of your art practice. Because it was so, you know, like that being raised with those limitations, it's just then you need to kind of like revisit them and yeah. understand them. Yeah. And, you know, ask why were they necessary? What did they serve? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I was raised in it not so. But similar way, like we were not supposed to wear pants in church, you know, I would get beaten if I insisted or like not wearing the long dress <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Insanity. But, uh, you know, that's where they came from. It's not unlike what we now think fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Absolutely. It's only like a generation removed. It's right here. I you know. know, it's not far. Yeah. Yeah, I was like searching. I was like searching in my work. I was like searching my identity. I knew I was woman. Mm-hmm. I knew I identified as woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like this thing about just removing. So if you look at my early work, everything is about removing mm. or cloaking. Mm-hmm. Removing yeah, yeah, or yeah. cloaking. Yeah, the veil. Take off the veil, yes. put the veil back on. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was all about that. It was like this process like mm-hmm. of rediscovering or discovering the self and but through like these very interesting it was a very interesting transition even like the colors that were involved in it it went, mm-hmm. went from white to black to multi it was intense mm. you know i remember one specific um work that comes to my mind right now where i did a series and i'm like wearing this very beautiful white greek goddess type of dress mm. and the installation is covering my face and it's like this whole installation of these strings that are attached to this headpiece and they're like threaded on the tree Mm. so it looks like my my head is like hanging off this tree it's gonna get pulled off the tree but i find that piece so interesting because i was like well why wasn't i revealing my identity at that moment when i was like discovering my sexuality what was it about that moment you know that Mm -hmm. i just wasn't so sure about not what I was doing or who I was, but just precisely about my sexuality, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. then it became scary when I started to see how people were responding to that. Right. It was like, I mean... So when you mean by scary, um, you mean um, you, the, the response mostly of the men who sexualized the work upset you because that was not your intention at all, so you felt misunderstood? Yeah, that was, that was part of it. I think that also was my family's response oh yeah i can only imagine yeah <laughs> my family's response like supposedly i'm a slut yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah. that made me quiver yeah it made me quiver oh, yeah, of course it matters as much as we rebel you know mom and dad matter right yeah so i had a hard time with that like yeah. i felt like who i really was and who i am i had to hide it all over again mm-hmm. so perhaps that would was what the cloak the meant, right, you know? Right, Like, right. I had to constantly hide who I was, my identity, yeah. if I was liberated or not. And yeah. that is so frustrating to live like that. Yeah. 
But it's also so common for women. You know, I mean, first of all, the entire Muslim world has one version of it or another, more or less, but there is a lot of that covering, covering. But even like my grandma, I never saw her with her head uncovered, ever. You know, I never saw her not in black. I never, you know, I never, I mean, she was all, there was always like the stockings that went up to God knows where, I think everywhere. <laughs> you know, the long sleeve, the, he- the, right. the scarf, the babushka thing. So that covering, if, you know, it wasn't like illegal. There wasn't religious police that would arrest her if she had her arms out, but she just didn't. Like she was so pure white. The woman had never been out in the sun oh out of misplaced modesty. You know, like mm-hmm. when you're 80, you're still holding on to that idea. Like you're not even, you know, a female body anymore. Like let go, you know, get like a little vitamin D. But (laughs) no, you know, it's just like the sense that, you know, we have to be preserved um, as objects, you know, like whatever rare objects. And they, they, speaking of cloak, you know, the patriarchy cloaks that more recently in the sense that we're like respected, right? And valued. And so like the men will look up to us and we're rarefied. So they're like, like they bind our feet in China Mm -hmm. so we can Mm -hmm. walk because we're above walking. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Bullshit, you know, right. or like, you know, um, they've opened the door of the, of the car and, you know, because we're, we are so fragile that we can't like open the fucking car door. That's not respect to me. They say that it's a sign of respect. That's how they, you know, camouflage it. But to me, yeah. no, it's powerlessness. It's coming up with any way to keep us powerless. Yeah, it's definitely powerlessness. And I think that there's a very sick perverted thing to that to that mentality because powerlessness when a woman is raped that man who's feeding off that nasty negative she's powerless yes exactly okay exactly that's his high they men love to see us powerless right without agency yes even many men on yeah that's why they want to see us dress a certain way like Mm -hmm. the clothes oh yeah don't you're so indecent like cover yourself up even men that are supposed to be really free and liberating like they Mm want to see women it's a fantasy to them it's like the idea what is the fantasy the fantasy is that they see someone that's like hopeless Mm. and powerless and she's like modestly dressed and she looks like a little virgin Mm -hmm. and so that turns them on Mm -hmm. and it also what turns them on is that only they get to you know like open that package right you know that sort of like ownership possessiveness you know territorial uh, instinct of like i'm the only one who gets to come here absolutely what let me tell you something against nature i know Okay, they don't want us to hunt them either. No. They want to be the no, hunters, no, no, but we can't. I know, I know. So let me tell you. So last year I went to Africa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm working with a few of the ambassadors, like right, I mentioned. Saying, yeah. Yep. Uh, the ambassadors of the Western Sahara. They were mm-hmm. interested in my work. They invited me over. They passed along my information and eventually got into the hands of curators in Spain. And they invited me to participate in an artist residency, Antifariti, last year in the liberated territories of Morocco. So I had proposed an idea to them. And, but I also said, but once I'm there, I will see how it goes because I'm sure that the environment is going to tell me right, what to the do. Work. Yeah. Exactly. So once I was there and I was able to like talk to the women and the men and it was informed and educated, I went into a museum. I got approval to use their weapons and I created a series called Weaponized Women or mm-hmm. Weaponized Woman. Mm-hmm. So I basically use weapons 
and I like install them on my body and I become again like an object, like an object, subject, subject, object, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of reflecting like the nature of the woman too in the Sahara. She's of like course. completely covered oh up. Oh my God, yes, yes. The woman in the Sahara is so underrepresented and speaking of hidden, completely hidden and covered up. Completely, yeah, completely. And yeah. I know that in that community, like the, mm-hmm. the women are very powerful. They have a voice. Great. They, yeah. they're the ones that you know basically control Keep the, the communities. Together. They do. Yeah. They yeah. did it all. Mm-hmm. When the men were off in war and after ceasefire of 1975, before that, it was the women that created the education system, mm-hmm. the work. They did everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. they're tough. Um, but there's also a very machista. Which, like most women in in you know uh, extremely macho societies, are actually very strong and very tough. Oh my they god! Yes. Just not uh, present. They're not seen. Right. But like behind the scenes, though, you know those societies depend on the women. On the women. Because the men are so busy like showing off mm-hmm. and you know fighting each other mm-hmm. and like, like cockfights. You know. Yes. So they spend most of their energy not creating community, create you know laboring, creating wealth you know, making sure that everybody survives, but like fighting each other off and figuring out who's like the top boss. Oh my God. I mean, talk about a stereotype. The Arab men, and I don't care saying this because it's true. I saw it for myself. Arab men are complete stereotype of like misogynistic, like womanizers. Oh my God. I mean, that happens here too. They're all over the place. They're not just Arab men. Yeah, but that culture definitely has it more simply because the women have less of a voice, less of a public voice. So there is, it's unchecked. They are unchecked. Exactly. But even though now the women have... There's no like Weinstein scandal there. Right, right, right. Okay, so then I'm there and I create this body of work. And so, of course, I purposely show parts of my body mm-hmm. like my legs you know yeah, it's not yeah. like i'm exposing my vagina but mm-hmm. i'm showing my legs and they're not used to it so mm-hmm. during the conference mm-hmm. like we're all presenting our work on this one night and the haima which is a tent where the saharawis like hang out and their festivities take place we're presenting the works they call me up and i'm showing my images and the men the saharawi men start to get up and they leave that's so funny i I don't know what to make of it but i did i did it on purpose i i did it intentionally like i knew that they were gonna be super uncomfortable but funny thing is that a couple of nights before i presented this work there was one specific man that had been hovering he was hovering like looking at me he'd come back to my workspace Mm -hmm. because he wanted to negotiate me. Mm. And he had made the comment to one of the Saharawi activists over there, this amazing woman that he had mentioned to her because like, well, she's beautiful. I can't stop looking at her. So he was interested in me and he had gone into my workspace. But he was interested in you from a hunter point of view. Yeah, of course. But like, that's a funny story. So he was hunting me and by the third day of hunting me, he comes up to ask about what I'm doing and my artwork, and I'm explaining it to him. And then he basically scoffs. He laughs at me. And I look at him, and I'm just like, okay, well, thanks for asking. I'm going to put myself away. I'm going to go now. Because I felt uncomfortable. It was him there and, like, a group of men, like, sitting at a different table. So I put things away, and I get up, and I start walking out the door, and he said something about me in Arab, in Arabic. 
and I turn around and the guys were like, ooh, because they realized like, oh, you know, like the, so I turn around and I look at him and I said, are you talking to me? So he's like, huh, kind of like laughing, like nervously. And I said, oh, you may talk to your women like that, but not to me. Mm-hmm. And I go, the American is coming out right now. Mm-hmm. And I go, don't talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. So I was like livid. And the guys were cracking up because they're not used to seeing right. that yeah, no, type. No, no, no. There's no confrontation from their women. Not in public. Not in public. Yeah, and not they in will public. be punished. They will be banished. They will be, you know, they will pay the price. That's why they don't do it. You don't have to pay the price because right. you can get on a plane you know, a few days later and go to another continent. Well, no, I got to say that in that culture specifically, they're a lot more modern than other Arab countries or cultures. Mm-hmm. They, they, they allow divorce. Mm-hmm. The women do not put up with things. Like mm-hmm. they will say, they will put them in place, but they're a little more modest than we are. Like we will call them out right then and there and I don't care, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So that became into an issue and I felt really bothered and uncomfortable with this man Mm -hmm. so like days go by and i'm presenting my work in the conference and i'm showing these images the men leave and the artist and everyone there is talking about the work and they're asking me questions but then i say no but i want to ask the women what do you think about the work Mm -hmm. and so they talk amongst themselves and then one of them speaks up and she was like we think that what you've done is amazing and how you're representing us is powerful. And we've never seen anything like this before and we we applaud you and we encourage you to keep doing this type of work. Mm, I know, nice. yeah, it was so cute. And I was like, thank you, thank you. And I was like, does it bother you that I'm showing my skin? And they're like, no, we think it's beautiful. And they had like all these amazing things to say because they were just like, wow, this is like a modernized version of us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But the men were so freaked out. Mm-hmm. And so I took the initiative a few days later because, you know, I am the kind of person that I have no filter. <laughs> <laughs> I ask questions and people don't like that. And one of them, one of the guys was in the tent. He walked out. I asked him, I was like, so you were uncomfortable when you saw my picture? And he's like, no, no, <laughs> no, is that true? And I was like, yes, you were. I saw you walk out. I'm like, you guys were walking out of the tent. And I go, why? Because you saw my leg? And he was like, no, it's not that. It's that, we you know, we're, we're not used to seeing artwork like that. And I'm like, you were nervous about my leg. <laughs> yeah, that's all there is. That's all it is. It's so silly, but it's, and it's so true. Just your goddamn naked ankle or whatever, chin or knee, you know, that's how it's gone. Like, just even to reveal a tiny little bit has been a fight for women. Because we were, you know, we were, uh, the res- you know, we were alienated from public discourse by being hidden. So now you're in the middle of it. You know, believe me, if they had you like one-on-one in a private space, they would have lots of ideas of what to do Mm -hmm. to you. Right. But there you were in public with a voice. Right. So the voice was much more threatening than the leg. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that we, again, I'm going to go back to Lysistrata. Mm. You know, I think it's about being very public and super visible and also very like, controlling our pussies yeah you know guarding our sexuality like that's it Mm -hmm. don't give it away so freely Mm -hmm. because the moment that you do it's used against you and that's your power because it's so precious right like you know that they the men that are heterosexual 
they fall and they like salivate for that. Right. So it's like magic. Mm-hmm. You know, like Oh, it is our magic. That is our magic. And it's ancient and it cannot be contained and they need it. I mean, m- more than anything else that there is out there, you know, money, progress, whatever you want to say, you know, internet, da, 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 they need our procreation, yep. our procreational magic. Without it, there is no tomorrow. Exactly. That's correct. Yeah. That's we're right. like nature. I mean, we're the closest to nature that there is in humanity, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what freaks them out, you know. Yeah. But, and you know what, this idea of like, you know, uh, environmental disaster and, you know, we're ruining nature. Bullshit. You know, man will die. Exactly. Humanity may die. Nature will survive. Like, it's that's not, the correct. earth is not going to like implode. That's it's correct. It's species. Right. That's correct. So that's a kind of like similar with our power. Like so long as a woman exists, she's going to be able to have babies. Exactly. Yeah. And they can't stand it because, you know, they cannot like put enough laws <laughs> to turn that into like a system or a structure that they can control. Yeah. It's whenever so, yeah, there's power. That's our power. Yeah. Our power is specifically our sex. You know, that's right. And we get to regulate it and we get to say yes or no. And we should be thinking about it a lot and we shouldn't be giving it away for like free dinner and a movie. Absolutely. So then the question, the critical question the critical reflection is always that. Yeah. Are we giving it away freely? Yes, we are. Oh my God. Yes. Are we? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, and then, but there are some women that they're not going to like to hear that. They're going to be like, oh, but come on. But I thought you were feminist. I thought you were this. I thought we were, could give our bodies away. Like we could do whatever we want. I'm like, yes, that's true. But, but that's your power. But that's your power. And you mm-hmm. got to be wise about mm-hmm. how you invest mm-hmm. and give yourself away. Mm-hmm. You know? And the other thing is, you know, because we're so much more emotional than men, we apparently have like seven areas in the brain that are emotion producing and they have like two. Right. So because we're so much more emotional, when the breakup comes, which inevitably, you know, 99% of the time the breakup comes, we are much more damaged. It mm-hmm. takes much longer for a woman who's actually given herself completely more than just like in one night stand to put herself back together again than it takes a man. But when we we lose time, we lose power, we lose you know the alchemy, the magic. Each time this happens, you lose a little more of your confidence, you know, in yourself, in your judgment, you know, of your trust in the miracle of life. Exactly. So remember at the beginning of our conversation, I told you that I used to hang out a lot with the boys. Yeah. I've always been the girl that hung out with the boys. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I've learned from them. I have, and men, they never give you a hundred percent anything. They always say, "We'll see." Well, let's see how that goes. Well, I'll check my bank account. We'll see. They're always very cautious about how much they give. Mm -hmm. So I learned that from them. That is how they, that's how they maintain their distance. Mm -hmm. That's how they maintain their investments. Everything's, we'll see. That's like Trump's favorite line, by the way. We'll see how it goes. You know how he always says that? Which means he, he can do anything. Change his mind, whatever. But that's what I'm no saying. No accountability. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can start dating a guy, for example, and the guy is really interested in you, and the the he'll say to you, "Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I really like you. Yeah, we'll see how it goes." 
they will never say, oh, I want you to be my girlfriend because I'm really in love with you. Like, let's try this right, out. Right. It's like, we'll right. see. Mm -hmm. Let's and see. Even when they say, may I say, like from a lot of stories of my girlfriends and personal experience, they can say, you know, the, like the best, the best hustlers, the real like narcissists will say, you're the one, the only one I love, That's only correct. you, there is no one else. And then they don't mean it. That's They'll correct. They'll say to like, you know, 20 people and hope they all buy it and they'll all love them back and give them the supply. Mm -hmm. So even if they say it, it doesn't mean that they mean it. It's extremely rare, like uh, extremely rare that they will actually mean it. And if they mean it briefly, it's like for their own salvation from exactly. whatever. Yeah. And you'll have to be the policing guy. Yeah, exactly. You'll have to be watching them like a hawk. And that, and, and you know what? I so refuse. Right. Ref yeah. I refuse <laughs> to be watching any yeah. man as yeah. a hawk. I'm yeah. like, I don't have time for that shit. No. Okay. No. So I've learned. You is know, this is not like sl slavery, and this no. is you know, it, they, they do something because they want to, and they're moved to, and they believe in it. Exactly. And, you know, they're compelled, or whatever. They're free beings. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, what I'm saying is, we are women, but then you know, mm -hmm. you learn social science behaviors mm -hmm. that you realize, oh, that's how it works. That's the system. So I've learned now, like as a woman, if I decide to go out with a heterosexual man if i find a decent one i'm not gonna <laughs> <g> <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you find a decent one <laughs> i love that little parenthesis oh <laughs> if if now i know that it's like you give a little Mm. You take a little, mm. you give a little mm. because the days of like, I'm in love with you. Yes. I'm going to buy you that amazing Armani jacket. Cause you look hot in it. And I just love yeah, you. Yeah. No, yeah, screw that. Yeah, yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. No. And the other thing is like we're caretakers, right? So the moment you, you know, give yourself, you also want to save everything and fix everything and take care of everything and, you know, clean and cook and do the laundry. You fall into what you've seen your mothers do. Exactly. So thank God you have a daughter. I mean, for me too, like having my daughter was salvation that way. Because yes. I only had so much energy. So I was able to like redirect all that like caretaking, you know, saving my mate energy for my kid mm -hmm. and raise her. Exactly. And I didn't have extra. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that, that, that definitely helps. So like single motherhood is another choice where, you know, um, you manage to like balance your your emotional life better because yeah. it keeps you so busy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it keeps us, it does keep us busy, but I think it just makes us so much wiser. Yeah. You become strategic. So mm -hmm. You become strategic. Like yeah. you realize how you're going to maneuver certain things. So we are blessed to have mm -hmm. been given an amazing child mm -hmm. that has helped bring the best of us exactly. out oh yeah and i just got oh, goosebumps yeah. saying me that too. oh yeah okay i totally feel that totally feel that you know for me too i mean i must say you know as a feminist i've written books you know i've made uh, I've, I've the, uh, all the artworks you know retrospectives whatever i've done it doesn't matter by far the most rewarding and most difficult thing mm -hmm. i've done was be a mom yeah you absolutely raise, you know raise a human being and uh, there nothing compares to it. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. recommend it without reservation to Absolutely. everyone out there. Absolutely, consciousness change. Absolutely, yeah. and just because we're single mothers too doesn't mean that we're not sexual. Oh, That's yeah, the other misconception. Yeah, yeah, M yeah. More than the taken mothers, we're say we're single. Yeah, we're very exactly. sexual. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because there's always yeah. like that whole funny like 
image of the frumpy, single mom that's like <laughs> screaming at her kids across, you know, yeah. and she's not wearing like her makeup or looking pretty because she wants to do it for herself. And you're just like, single mother, dun, 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 dun. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's another stereotype. Yes. Yeah, not true yeah. at all. Yeah. I mean, but that stereotype is kind of true, but we're breaking that because we realize like, no, well, it was true in the previous generation, but those were not single mothers by choice. You know, right. those were like single mothers who had been abandoned by asshole men, you know, and uh, absentee fathers and whatever, mm -hmm. and suddenly found themselves in a place where they had to have like two jobs and they had, you know, more than one ch child often. So they were like, overwhelmed yeah. by what was demanded of them. And of course, there was no time. Uh, on mm -hmm. top of, plus, you know, it was before like they even had clear sexual choice. The right. last thing they wanted was to bring another man in who would give them another child and might abandon them yet, you know. So like, in that, in our parents and grandparents' generation, they, the single mom had no choice. You know, in our generation, it's definitely a choice. Yeah. You know, you could, I mean, both you and I, you know, could, find someone willing to like marry us and mm -hmm. help us raise our children if we wanted. Um, it's just more of a choice to be able to have like full agency and full voice when it comes to, you know, raising your, especially if you have a daughter, your daughter, especially. yeah, which we both, we both have mm -hmm. girls. So That's that right. I think makes, I think that if I had a boy, I would definitely want a father much more involved because there are a lot of things that I will know what to do. About, right. You know, I really wouldn't know how to participate. In right. Well, I well, I think that the women that are single parents and they have a boy, I think that those women have a very special power too because mm. those boys have they can either be mama's boys, yeah. the stereotype, or they can be super amazing chivalrous future men, either gay yeah, they can or be gay or, gay or heterosexual. Yeah. Oh, they can be like feminist heterosexual boys exactly. who, who would be amazing for like our daughters to meet. <laughs> or, or even if, if you're raised by a feminist single mother and you're a boy, wow. Right. But even if they're gay too, they can be like an amazing gay man that has a great partnership with his lover or husband and mm -hmm. because we still need to have amazing men. No, exactly. We do. Yeah. It doesn't matter, matter yeah. your sex preference. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, we have to try and raise men who you know respect women and are more conscious from a young age. You know, instead of like, I mean, I think that in more and more men are more aware and more respectful. But like, it's uh, so slow. You know, the numbers are still for sure minority and it's just so slow you know mm -hmm. i see even like in my daughter's high school the vast majority of those boys you know they were just sexist yeah were, you know 16 year old sexist pigs thinking that they should get blowjobs on the bus you know when they were on like school trips and never even even like imagine that they might go down on a, on a girl like it yeah. was never even thought you know discussed i would bring it up you know i would always tell the girls you know do not like give head if you do not get head yeah and they never heard of anything like it you know in their culture it's just still the same way it was in the 50s I, I, you know yep you like know it's interesting are not moving yeah no it's, it's very slow and incremental well let me tell you something so uh, last year 
first of all, I've never been into porn. I just find it silly. It yeah, makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes me crack yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. It's true. I know. It's so lame. It's so lame. I so, know. but last year. And the noises the girls make. Well, it's just like from like the get go. Yeah, it's just a it's whole like porn. The guy takes out his dick and she starts <laughs> with a moaning. And they all moan the same way. And like, we could do it. Like, we could do it now. I mean, yeah. they don't understand it's fake. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah, no, know. but it's true. It's yeah. also you fake. You could like fake like, it oh, in no, a second. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 no, uh, uh, no, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, oh yes. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Uh-huh. But I was like, you know what? I want to watch some porn. I want to see what's going on in that world. What's up? So I did some research. Um, I forgot the name of the website. Oh, I forgot what it's called. But I was like watching some of it and I'm just like, okay, but why don't they have a porn where the woman is like getting off with a vibrator and then the man comes up and he eats her out and he's like doing everything that she wants. Like queen, like ninja queen, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything like that. I couldn't find porn that it was about the woman pleasing herself and the man getting off of that and pleasing her it's always like the man no the only woman who's on top is the dominatrix who of course that's his fantasy usually she gets paid but even if she doesn't get paid you know she's still on the like extremely uncomfortable stiletto thigh highs Mm -hmm. and the extremely uncomfortable like corset yeah her ass popping out her ass cheeks and her boobs popping out which you know is objectifying to the nth degree and then it's not about her coming. It's not. It's not about him like eating her out yeah. and she comes on whatever his face or whatever. No. It's about how he feels. She does the work. Yeah. You know, and like all of that's hard work, the whipping and the uh, pegging. And the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's about how he feels. So, yeah, I agree. It's, you know, it's very rare to actually have a scenario where the woman says, I want to have sex with you. And she's you know, is the initiator. Yeah. And that's how, and, and it's supposed to be normal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she says, hi, I want, you know, I want to have sex with you. And he's not like the pool boy or, um, you know, the, the, the trainer or, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like that cliche that yeah. like the help is there yeah. and she seduces him, has a quickie with him. But meanwhile, she has like the rich husband. No. Yeah. Like an actual relationship sex where she has, the agency and the voice, it doesn't exist. I know. It's crazy. It's horrible. I mean, there was some porn that I found where I was like, okay, this could be like a little more like, okay, cool. Because mm-hmm. it was like hot couples, like romantic sex. And you mm-hmm. can see that the vocabulary of sex mm-hmm. that was happening between those two individuals was like, okay, this seems real. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of fair, mm-hmm. you know? But the majority is just like... Yeah, no, I agree with you. Even... There, I mean, there's a lot of porn that doesn't really make much money, but it's more arty porn. Right. Um, you know, uh, Hump Festival has some <laughs> of those, you know. <laughs> and then there, there are a lot of, like, feminist-identifying women porn directors. Oh, wow. But even within that, it's mostly gay, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, lesbian sex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or um, it's presented as, um, you know, it's as, as outsider, Right, right. So you know, it's it's an it's kind of like a unique 
body that represents a stereotype mm -hmm. that turns people on. Mm -hmm. So it could be like, let's say, the butch stereotype or, you know, the boy toy stereotype, something like that. Right. Instead of normative. Yeah. That's, that's the, I think, the telling difference, that it's not like normative sex. It's, yeah. You know, it's all extremely marginalized. So it's yes. not like a role model for the average person. Yeah. Yeah, so how is that going to be broken? Like, how do we break that? Yeah, good question. I mean, we can only, like, talk about it and, and uh, you know, shoot <laughs> shoot <laughs> video <laughs> versions of it and then talk about it some more. And, you know, that's it. We've got to kind of, like, inundate the right. culture with right. alternatives. Right. I mean, the only problem with that, like, within the art world is, again, we're going to always come back to that argument that right, right. that's not art. Right. Like, that's not art. No. Right. So it's finding the right medium to to talk about that. I mean, film is great. Film is great. I was watching. Have you seen Nymphomaniac? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I loved it. So much fun. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But Lars von Trier is amazing. I know. <laughs> it helps that he's directing. Yeah. And, you know, she's famous. Her father was famous. So, like, it helps to already have access to the main street, uh, you know, uh, machine of of, of um, release because mm -hmm. otherwise who's going to see how are you going to get this seen by a lot of people mm -hmm. right? so exactly. that's the challenge again you know even i'm sure there are people who make work that just doesn't get seen or get seen locally and we don't even have access to it mm -hmm. um because you have to get entry into the system right that's right to undo it yeah exactly <laughs> the hope of undoing it right yeah yeah i mean yeah absolutely you know like and also like intellectualizing it like theorizing on these things like yeah. i think that yeah. it helps educate the conversation or the people on a different level mm -hmm. you know because yeah. it's not a conversation just about sex it's a conversation about a connection um, an intimacy that there's like patriarchy still involved in it that it's a lot it's loaded yeah, it's yeah. very loaded and it's very, uh, and it's a challenge. And, you know, to have like both parties able and willing to try it out, it's st still rare, but it's done. It can be done. Like we should, you know, look for it and, and cultivate it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that a, a big part of the challenge is what we were saying earlier, trying to stay holistic, mm -hmm. you know, trying to, to bring all of our parts into a relationship and not, you know, and not be like split or psychotic and, mm -hmm. you know, have like half of us one way and the other half the opposite. So like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But be integrated. Take the time to figure out enough about yourself. I mean, we're always changing, but figure right. out enough and bring everything kind of together. Mm -hmm. Um. I know I s we, we were talking earlier about the fact that America's biggest problem, in my opinion, is the irony between its kind of extreme liberal tendency oh, yeah. and its extreme puritanism. Mm -hmm. So the same way that when it was founded, they guaranteed individual liberty for every citizen, which was so unique and beautiful and rare, right? And it's one of the reasons a lot of us have immigrated here. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they also Enslaved. legalized slavery. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it was Ugh. okay, like, owning a human being at the same time that you were advocating individual freedom for everyone? Right. It's so... I know. And so kind of like the sexual revolution, which started in America, was kind of like the same way, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is like, you know, it was okay to, you know, sex and drugs and rock and roll kind of time, you know, with in the 60s. 
But then at the same time, you were doing the Vietnam War, yeah. and you know you had Nixon, and the, yeah, and it, that that kind of like push and pull in America within it, you know, between like the extremists who banned abortion in Alabama today, right. and then you know all like the niche, the, the celebration of like uh, non-mainstream liberty and sexuality at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think that that's um, America's biggest challenge. You know, if it could integrate itself, then it would be much easier for all of us individually mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to become whole, whole again. Right, but, but that's a that's a whole psychological conversation. Yeah, that's a whole <laughs> yeah. psychological conversation. Oh, yeah. You could spend your whole life just thinking about this. Yeah, because yeah. when you analyze and you evaluate that, you're like, well, no, that's because we're disbalanced because psychologically we haven't achieved or we haven't reached a certain point of maturity, of sophistication. We haven't used right. all of our brain. We don't understand things about ourselves and each other. And, and we so don't take the time to understand. Right. And that's a psychological reflection of where we are at mm -hmm. in general, mm -hmm. global, mm -hmm. globally. Yeah. Right? Right, right, right. It's like rush, rush, rush. You know, I don't want to miss out. I, you know, I want to be everywhere. I want to be visible. I want to catch up, you know. And so there, there is less time than ever mm -hmm. to introspect mm -hmm. and, you know, and figure out how to put your parts together and yeah. put the greater society together. It's yeah. less time. You know, the more they keep us busy with um, digital, you know, all kinds of like digital destruction. That's right. The less we do it. That's right. It's, it's intentional. You know, it'd be cool to um, orchestrate a performance art piece. Mm -hmm. A performance art piece where I can find like like an amphitheater type of environment. Mm, like I I'm thinking amphitheaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Strata. Yes. <laughs> and invite the public, you know, open the doors to the art world and to the public and invite them. They come in, they check in and they have to wear um a genderless outfit like a toga. Mm -hmm. Super mm -hmm. ancient Greece, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Everyone's wearing the same thing mm -hmm. and everyone's in uniform mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. And they come in, they sit down, and we're not allowed to say anything out loud, mm -hmm. but we're supposed to have conversations with each other quietly about sexuality. Mm. Like, and give it, like, make it into a durational, like, let it last for like three or four hours mm. to see what happens, the chemistry that will surface between people. Mm -hmm. Like, will it become into a sexualized event? Or what were the what are the conversations about? Like mm -hmm. they will only know what the conversations about when they come in, they check in, and it's going to be about sex, obviously, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But I would like to see at that very moment if things that are like intimate or reflections or mm -hmm. confessions mm -hmm. come up. Confession would be great and so healing. You know, confession to a stranger is so healing, definitely. And also, um, it kind of like re you know, recreates, re reformats uh, public conversations. Yes. If you're in a public space. Yes. You know, performing or participating in something like a performance, and yet you're talking about intimate desires or intimate secrets, you know, breaking the cycle of the secrets is super yes. powerful. Because that's w another thing that we have been raised to do is like keep everything secret, you know, keep everything sexual secret. Yeah. Keep all of the things that we think don't speak well of us secret. Secrets. So then we repeat it, you know, mm -hmm. and 
Like if we did, you know, a performance of like radical honesty, mm-hmm. that would be amazing. Right? So you get like two hours, four hours, three hours, and then that's broken up and you can like have someone give instructions or in a sound. So like every 10 minutes you choose another partner. Mm-hmm. Exactly. start over. But, you know, and the only limitation is you've got to be honest. You have to be honest. Right. Because throughout the performance space, there will be speakers and there will be microphones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about the microphones. That's going to make people censor themselves, I think. But they won't know about that. Okay. They, they can't know. Okay, it's okay. like surveillance. Oh, yeah. Surveillance is everywhere. Yeah. Surveillance. Yeah, exactly. There's probably going to be cameras anyway. <laughs> any, any amphitheater you rent. <laughs> we don't have to do anything. They'll be there everywhere. Like Google is going to be right? monitoring it and we won't even know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That'd be a great performance, our piece. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Right? Yeah. Maybe we can propose it to Faina. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I thought of the same space. I yep. love that space. Right? That Remkul has. Yes. Pe- oh, I'm in love with, of the, with that marble amphitheater there. It's like rose marble. I just, yeah. Mm. I just love Greek Total culture. architectural crush on yeah. that space. I know. I know. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I'm very influenced by Greek mythology in my mm. work. Like, I, that's something that I just love. I love. Yeah. It just it's like, all the archetypes are there already. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. And then in the planets, too. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these archetypes are also kind of like the astrological influences on us are you know, woven in with the meaning of those original archetypes of Absolutely. like the gods and the goddesses. Yeah. 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 So it's still like very potent. You yeah. know, even we, we may not like worship it, but it's very much here. Yeah. yeah. And the gods and the goddesses were very, very comfortable with their sexuality too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Super. I know. And they were very carnal. Yeah. They were very carnal. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> all the gods, you know, all the gods except <coughs> for the Jew, Jew, Jewish god, yeah, were very, very sexual, you know, like uh, the ancient Hindu gods, mm-hmm. you know, the Egyptian gods, everybody was like sexualized until you got to Yahweh, the unspeakable, you know, god, and then the marriage of the Jewish god with the prototype of the Gnostic god, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the demiurge, like the maker, you know, in the Greek right. mythology, right? Um, that's what gave birth to like these prophets exactly. and Jesus exactly. and then Muhammad. And then, you know, it was taken over, of course. How convenient. Like the patriarchy already had killed the matriarchy by bringing up, right. you know, the Zeus gods instead. Right. But this was like beautiful for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we've and lived under yeah. those conditions since. And it's been body shaming ever since. Yeah. Exactly. Body shaming. Yeah. Well, we're going to undo it. Let's do a performance. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that performance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to advertise it on the podcast if we do. And I'll say to everyone, it, we came up with it on the air. Yes. <laughs> and we're looking for someone. <laughs> Faina. We're looking for space. Yeah. Especially Faina. Especially yeah. Faina. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. This was so fun. Yes. Thank, thank you, Belaxis. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for trusting me as your sex whisperer. And uh, until I speak to you again next Friday, please speak sex. Ciao. If I could make love incessantly, I would be God.